we the jury unanimously find the defendant, Amber Geiger, guilty of murder as charged in the indictment. I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. The image shows a man made up in blackface next to another person dressed in a Ku Klux Klan robe. The Virginia governor released a statement tonight confirming it's him in the photo. He apologized for what he acknowledges is clearly racist and offensive. I say we will never forgive you. What's going on, everybody? We are back with a special edition of the Brothers of Law podcast. As always, this is your boy, Jesse McCoy. I am here and joined by one, the world's leading legal humorist, Sean Carter, and our special guest making a second appearance. Miss Michelle Rayner Goolsby, how are y'all doing? Doing well. I'm so happy to have you back, Michelle, not only um, because of your brilliant commentary, but more importantly, uh, you actually uh, might be the only one who really knows how the whole law works. Uh, <laughs> I, I play a lawyer on TV, um, but uh, so, so we can use your expertise. Although, Jesse, you actually got some people convicted, too, so I guess. <laughs> I don't, don't want to. Like a snitch, but <laughs> nah, but uh, so for for anybody who has been paying attention, we wanted to call this special edition together because uh, Black America is dealing with some some growing pains, some sorrow uh, as a re- result of Amber Geiger's uh, murder conviction and sentencing. Uh, so first off, we want to give honor and glory to both and John because. Uh, unfortunately, he was taken far too soon. Uh, but in some sense, there are some pockets that believe justice has been served because she was convicted. Whereas there are other pockets that believe that justice has not been served given a 10 year prison sentence, uh, arguably a five year uh, prison sentence, uh, for a murder. So we want to first walk down kind of some of the important parts of the trial and kind of get everybody's, uh, take on it. Uh, and since we have Michelle here, who has been pretty much running ragged on court TV, trying to hold us down and represent the community, <laughs> uh, we want to make sure that she has plenty of opportunity to weigh in on all of the pivotal moments of the trial that really set the stage for what the conviction would be. Um, so I'll start off with uh, I was trying to keep up with this trial while I was at work. I had a uh, I have a dual screen computer at work. So one screen was on the Amber Geiger trial at all points in time. And when I wasn't actively working, I would I would pay attention and try to see kind of what is going on. What are the arguments that are being made uh, compared to the social media arguments that people think are being made? <laughs> so one of the things that I want to be abundantly clear on is there was never any debate from Amber Geiger as to whether or not 
she shot both of them. So I've seen some popular right. people on social media saying that, well, she denied it or saying that, you know, this or that. The, the, the fact of the matter is she admitted that this happened. It was her rationale for it that was the basis of the court hearing. And her rationale was based on a concept of self-defense that really is merging into a castle doctrine based on mistake of fact. So right. the mistake of fact dealing with the fact that she went into an apartment, she says that she believed the apartment was hers. Uh, the DA did a wonderful job in pointing out all of the things that she had to overlook, which as a cop scares me, uh, but all the things, including a red mat going into the unit that would have triggered her to know that she doesn't, that that's not her unit. But her argument is, I had a mistake of fact, thought it was my unit. And when I got into my unit and saw there was a person in there, I thought that my life was in jeopardy. And as a result, I have a right to use deadly force to defend myself. Now, to anybody who's not a lawyer and to most of the lawyers, this sounds crazy, right? (laughs) Because you're in somebody else's house and they are the ones who actually exercise this ability to defend themselves from deadly force. Uh, but I want to kind of break it down for, for common, the common person listening to this program. Like, is this something that is common in a criminal defense courtroom or a criminal courtroom? Is that for me? Uh, <laughs> anybody jump in. <laughs> is, so are you talking about, is it common for using the castle doctrine when it's not your house? Yes. <laughs> Um, well, norm, <laughs> well, normally, um, what I've seen, you know, first off, Texas, I think we have to really be aware. Texas has wide latitude when it comes to their castle doctor statue, right? So, um, it, to me, it, it almost functions as a de facto stand your ground, but it's called castle doctrine. I remember when I was in law school, one of the first cases I learned about when I was in law school was that there was a gentleman who shot um, someone who was breaking into his neighbor's home and he asserted the castle doctrine and he was able to get acquitted. Mm. So that would give people a, a lot of like understanding of how wide and broad their statute is. So here in Florida, where I'm from, you can't use your castle doctrine to, because you thought, of, I mean, well, I don't know. I don't think that anyone's used it. I don't think you could use stand your ground or self-defense, because you thought you were in someone else's, you thought you were in your apartment. That's just, I, I, I mean, it would just take so many mental and legal gymnastics, I think, here in Florida to be able to to get us there. I think Texas was, it, it turned on the mistake of fact. If you truly believe that she had a mistake of fact, did she have the right to shoot him because she thought she was in her home, therefore asserting the castle doctrine? I mean, it's, it's so, it's, it's a lot. It's like a math problem and <laughs> I'm a lawyer, so I don't have to do math. <laughs> well, exactly. So, because I'm actually a computer science uh, guy as an undergrad, and so I'll, I'll, do, I'll do some of the math here. You know, because the point you mentioned is important is that even if you think you're in your home and you're in the wrong place. Your belief has to be reasonable. Right. And so, 
and, and, and so even if she legitimately thought so, if she was a damn fool about it, and you know, I've seen the examples used. But let's take a, let's take a, another example. Let's say, for instance, in this case, where you know, if you were came home drunk and passed out in the wrong apartment. So let's say Botham Jean wasn't there. She had won't gone in his apartment, passed out. If he comes home and finds her there, she's not likely going to be tried and convicted for breaking and entering, burglary, right? All that stuff, right? Because people say, okay, you legitimately thought you were in the wrong place, right? And so we understand that, which also sort of then, so in addition, so one, she has to have a, 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 you know, a reasonable belief because if you have a belief that isn't reasonable, like, oh, let's say you never, so the best example of this is you leave a party and you take a coat. That it turns out not to be yours. That's okay if you have a coat that's similar to that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a coat, you live in Arizona, you walk out with a mean coat, right? You know, no, your belief isn't reasonable, right? No one in Arizona has a mean coat. I one time actually, Grand Theft Auto, I stole a car from a hotel. And let me explain to you how I did it. The night before, I get into the city, I get a rental car. I then, I don't look because I'm me. I get in the rental car, I drive to the hotel, park it in valet. The next morning, the valet comes out. I mean, all those white guys look like to me. I hop into the first car and go off all day in somebody else's car. Mm. Mm. Now, Wow, only you. Only you. I'm sitting there like, you know, this don't look right, but but there's a real car. I didn't know what the car was supposed to be in the first place, right? And and so here's the thing about it is, you know, they didn't think about, oh, I should charge him with Grand Theft Auto. And here's here's why. It's because it's a reasonable mistake. It can happen. Now, on the other hand, I didn't leave there with a Porsche. You can't rent a Porsche right from National. So if I had jumped into somebody else's car, a Porsche, a, a Mercedes, you know, a Maserati, some car that you know you don't normally rent, Right. Then they would have been like, no, 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 fool, you stole that car. Right? You know right. that wasn't yours. And so, you know, you have this first part. But then you have the other part is that even if she's wrongfully in the place and she thinks she's in the right place, do you get to shoot a, a brother in his underwear because mm-hmm. you say that he is a danger to you? And this is why I think it's a big deal is that the reason I think the jury either decided, one, that she wasn't reasonably there, that her mistake was unreasonable, or that, two, even if you come into your place – and find a person in this underwear, you probably shouldn't reasonably shoot them because it's very, very difficult for you to be, um, I don't know, um, for, to, 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 you know, have someone would be the word for it, outdraw you, um, with their, uh, ding-a-ling. I get, wow. Okay. So I was not expecting that. <laughs> uh, you just met me, Michelle. You know I ain't got no sense. I thought this was a family show. No, um, no, I, I, I agree. It's the reasonableness, you know, and it's the reasonableness of, hey, he was like on his couch in the dark watching, um, television i mean if someone's really trying to rob you or harm you unless there are some other you know issues going on are they really going to sit on your couch watch have the tonight show on or whatever mm-hmm. and eat ice cream so it's like you could and also i think for me okay so you're telling me when you walked in you didn't you know you didn't look at the door you didn't look at the number you didn't look at that i know my house has a certain smell everyone house <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, I mean, sis, you know you don't smoke like that. <laughs> or do you? And we don't Does know. She? Or do you? And you didn't want to tell us that. Yeah, apparently but she must smoke something. 
But let's talk. Let's go with the premise that she doesn't smoke like that. Mm. You walk in and your house is it's wafting, 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 whatever you want to call it. With mm. Either so you're telling me someone robbed your house, they came in, they burgled your home, they went in your refrigerator, got some ice cream. <laughs> stripped down to their drawers and t-shirt and was smoking in your house. That is how they decided to burgle your house. Sis, if you don't sit your whole wife <laughs> And by the way, and this is by the way a trained law enforcement officer who has been trained to read the signs and the clues. Yeah, Man. I mean, she she had read the signs, but they were in the text message, and the sign said, "Don't come over tonight. My wife is here." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I gotta tell you, it's it's interesting. I'm wondering how much of that verdict turned on that, right? When they're like, "Oh, look at this home record here." Mm. Um, you know, it, it 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 is interesting. Now, the other thing about it, I I just came to this epiphany this morning, is that her thought of being reasonably scared. I understand how that could happen if that were you or me. She came home. She was wearing her police uniform. She still had her gun. She had her handcuffs, etc. If you, if I come in my house and you sitting there right on my couch eating ice cream, I might have to shoot you because I don't know how I'm going to keep you there for 45 minutes, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't have a way to subdue you and to apprehend you. But this is a person who's trained to do that. When she walks into, because think about it, her job is to go into places all the time that people are robbing and to mm-hmm. bring the people out alive. So right. it's not like she could possibly argue, how could I possibly handle this big black man in his underwear? But that's your job. You do this every, you just did that when you got here. Absolutely. You just on the way here. Right? Absolutely. And so she had like, you know, it, it turned out to be in this case that, you know, being a cop actually probably, you know, worked against her because it made her fear that much less reasonable. Than you know a normal person, or a but, you, but you, you know, on top of that, like the the police utility belts are like Batman. They got a million right. things that won't kill you, but that'll make you you know stop in your tracks. Right. So it's it's to me it's the concept of bypassing all of the other non lethal items you. that you have to automatically go for a gun and shoot somebody who you know clearly we talked about this last episode when you walk in the place not only does it allegedly smell different. But you got black people on the wall. <laughs> like you got furniture set up for a bachelor pad. It's a little bit messy in there. Uh, you got seasonings in the kitchen. You obviously don't use that amber. So, <laughs> so I just don't, I don't understand how you make these, these mistakes on top of overlooking a bright red mat to go into the house. Which I it didn't under I didn't understand how she was saying she had all her bags in one hand and her key in the other hand and when she walked in she like had her bags in her other hand still had the key and then was able to pull for her gun I was like sis that's a lot you have in your hands for you to finagle away to get your gun out and point at him and shoot him dead I think that. To me, it goes back to the things that were pulled from her social media and her text messages. She was a trigger happy, you know, cop. You know, I wear black because I'm ready for your funeral. You know, I mm. shoot first and ask questions later. So mm. ultimately, you know, when people are like this case wasn't about race, she didn't know he was black. It always is about race because, I, I, you know, for me, 
I think that if it was a white person, if she was able to tell that they were white, she would have stopped. It would have been like, what are you doing here? Right. Hey, guys, you eat my ice cream. Versus, <laughs> and, here's and here's the deal. I also will say this, as in the McLaughlin case, this turned on, the, and I don't know, I don't think the defense did it as overtly as they did in the McLaughlin case, but they tried that bullshit of black men are scary, this, that, right. and this. And from my right. understanding from what Lee Merritt posted on social media, they met with the woman that killed Terrence Crusher, Crutcher and was able to walk free, who now teaches cops how to deal with whole high profile cases where they have shot someone. Wow. Well, she, she, she's qualified. So, so, so they did her playbook. So at the end of the day, to me, it is about race. It is, and it is about race how the Dallas PD handled this after the fact all the way up until now. Man, get out of here, man. No, no, it's always about race, and particularly in those cases, I mean, that's exactly what they tried to argue, which is that by being black alone, she had a reason to, you know, to, to ignore all of her training. Right. To not stay outside, to do all things, because, you know, if you don't go and get a black person immediately, they will like eat your whole place. I don't know what she thought was going to happen. Like, for instance, the training was supposed to be that she would just, you know, you leave. Right. If you think about it, you tell her if you're a civilian, if you coming home and somebody is robbing your place, you back the hell out your place. Right. And you call the police. Right. And someone to to deal with that. And she's just like, nope, I'm going to go in there and bust in because you know, he, 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 he'll eat the cake and the ice cream if I don't hurry up and get up in there. Right. Mm. And, yeah. then, so, you know, but if black people, I get it. I mean, there's that Negro phobia where just like black people might just do any damn thing right now, like like breaking your placing, strip down to their drawers. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that brings up two important points for me. So point number one is I think that the the person who was the victim in this situation, both and John, mm-hmm. this, he from all uh, a testimony that was provided is the best person in the world. Like he at this point is in the right hand of Jesus, um, right. because I know even even the complaints that people brought, like the only thing I could say bad about him was I would hear him in the morning singing song in the shower. That was it. Like this guy was perfect. Right. Uh, and so often the first thing that these cases try to do is villainize the victim. So Mike Brown was stealing cigars, right? He steals cigars. Uh, Trayvon Martin smokes weed. Like it was always something to demonize. And with both of John, I think he, you know, there was nothing there. My other concern is every officer that the state called to testify when they laid out what they are trained to do if they see someone in a home, they all said, I will wait and call for backup. Right. That was the first thing. Wait and call for backup. I wouldn't rush in. Wait and call for backup. So she's trained under the same standards that they're trained under. She sees somebody in the home. I don't understand how we just blow through and overlook all of the the training. Because any other time you'd be wanting to get the benefit of the doubt based on your training experience, all that stuff. So why now do do we have to blow through and overlook that? Why are you now just a human being? And right, and listen, and get mad at you on on the stand if you if you question their training and ability. Get mad, like who who the hell do you think you are? So I mean, it it you know you want me to revert to a a that you were just a girl. And here's the deal: what I, I this is where I always struggle with this. You know, whenever police are involved in a police shooting, 
you know, people always think there should be held to a higher standard. I agree. They should be held to a higher standard. But what all three of us know on here is that they're not held to a law enforcement officer <laughs> standard. They're held mm-hmm. to a ordinary person standard. Me and a trained law enforcement officer are two different, you know what, MFers. We are, mm-hmm. we are not the same. We are not the same people. We don't handle guns the same. We're not trained the same. And, and you, and then for you to say, well, I wasn't on duty, but there are officers who are longtime detectives and, 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 patrolmen and women that will always say you know I'm always an officer no matter what even if I'm in my house I'm always an officer so if you have that specialized training whether you're on duty or not and you are you step back into that capacity because she stepped back into that capacity right. show me your hands do me do this do that you should be held at that standard of a law enforcement officer not of an ordinary reasonable person your standard should be higher no, and here's what for it. It's actually almost always lower. So, and give an example, the case that, you know, you were so intimately involved in, um, uh, Marquise McLaughlin case. If he had pushed not a, a crazy civilian crackpot, but a police officer to the ground, and the police right. officer had opened fire, he would not have gotten convicted. Oh, 100%. Right? They would have said that a police officer who's better trained, et cetera, would be less able to handle Right, a brother who pushed him to the ground, then this crazy psycho civilian, because that's how little you know, police officers always get the extra benefit of the doubt, no standards. We had a case in California, and I, and I wanted to look this up today. I don't think where a, a police, off-duty police officer, is in Costco. I don't know if you heard about this case. A young man bumps into him. The young man gets agitated because the young man has autism. The police officer pulls out his gun and not only shoots that man, but both of his parents in their 60s. What? Wow. He has not been charged at all with a crime because, you know what? Now, any individual who kills three people, all right, one of them being disabled over a misunderstanding in a Costco, not not, a, not the club, not on the street corner, Costco, right? What, who, what, what wow. dangerous stuff's happening in a Costco would be under the jail. But a, but an off-duty police officer, well, you know, we got to investigate this. Right. And so cops mm-hmm. often hold themselves to even a lesser standard than you would, you know, than and they should be held to a higher standard. And so the good thing about this jury, and we, we kind of glossed over, was the fact that we had some people of color on the jury who, right. um, you know, I, weren't yeah. going to be cop sucking like this. Right. So the, the jury, uh, I believe they said it was composed of five African Americans, eight women. Um, I think we had some representation from the Latino population there. Uh, but a lot of people say that because of the mixture of the jury, which ordinarily would be something that's favorable for the, the defense, because <laughs> typically the people who are against uh, police or who know that police aren't 100 percent trustworthy are going to be young people, educated people and minorities. Um, so. Typically would be good for the defense, but in this situation, because of the dynamics of the victim and the dynamics of, of the defendant, it proved to be, at least for conviction purposes, it proved to be very beneficial. Right. Hmm. So I, I want to talk a little bit about um, right immediately before deliberation, there was a big uh, to do on Facebook based on this Castle Doctrine jury instruction that Judge Tammy Kemp uh, allowed to be read into the jury. 
and a lot of people felt some type of way about that. I saw a lot of people on Facebook going off saying, how dare she do this? How dare she do that? Uh, can, can we explain for the people why this is important? Yeah. So it's important because she's convicted now and she's going to appeal. Do we want it to be reversed? Do we want her to be walking around pending a new trial? Absolutely not. So a lot of judges, and this is what I was trying to explain to people. And, you know, the root did an article in the, the, the byline or the title of Tammy Kemp is the judge that just allowed the instruction in so that Amber Geiger would get acquitted. Something to that effect, but very inflammatory, right? Right. And right. of course, I was like, my eyes bulged out of my head. And uh, Jesse and I were like, we're not going to allow this slander of Tammy Kemp. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're not going to allow this slander. But I think that first off, people don't understand. I practice criminal defense and I was talking to another criminal defense attorney. While it does not make sense to hell, most attorneys, but she had to let that in. You know what I mean? She had to because if she did not and they appealed it in the appellate court said you should have allowed this when they asked for this instruction, they asked for this defense, you should have allowed it in, you didn't allow it in, now we're reversing you on that, now we're vacating her sentence, she gets a new trial, all the niggas is going to be up in arms. <laughs> right, right. So she had to do that. And unlike the woman that represented Marquise McLaughlin, who had a, or not Marquise McLaughlin, Michael Draco, who mm-hmm. had a choice, this lady don't have a choice. She doesn't have a choice, but she has to follow the law. You know, this is not like she's like, well, I'm, you know, choosing to let this in because I just, you know, I think that Amber Geiger, you know, should have killed both of them, John. Um, right. uh, no, it's, I, I have to. I have to because the law dictates that I have to do it. And she was being, at this moment, she was being very professional and she was upholding the law. So, and I, you know, I, I want people to be very clear about that. She didn't have a choice. She had to do it. And people are like, well, I didn't read the statute like that. And I'm like, well, do you practice in Texas? No. <laughs> are you an attorney? No. Then what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, I'm telling you, the University of Google was graduating some law graduates <laughs> this weekend. They had a big commencement. Hopefully that brother who uh, paid off the student loans for everybody at uh, Howard uh, came and paid off the Google student loans uh, because they were Googling some law degrees this this weekend. Um, and I understand why it's, it's complicated to understand that you think, well, she wasn't there, so she couldn't have, you know, used this defense. But mistake of fact we talked about. And there's a good reason, by the way. You you don't want a law that says if you make a mistake of fact, you, like I have to now go to prison for grand theft auto because I took the wrong rental car. Right. Right, from the valet. Right? And, and, and you know, I talked to a lot of people. It's funny how many people have actually done something not as bad as she did because we walked in, you know. But I have not only gone to the wrong hotel room. I've done it twice. I did. I was in the right hotel room, wrong hotel. Wow. I walked into another hotel than the one I was staying at because the last hotel I'd stayed in had been this hotel, right? So one time I walked into a Ritz Carlton. I charge um, breakfast for, for 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 me and my boy from 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 college. We eat we eat Ritz Carlton breakfast, right? You know, eight dollar breakfast, right? <laughs> charge it to the room that I think I'm staying in. Walk up, go in the elevator to to my room. I'm like, damn, nothing looks familiar here. You know why? Because I'm not saying at the Ritz Carlton. I'm saying at, at at the Marriott. 
but but last week I had been at a Ritz Carlton. Right, I travel right. a lot. I don't know where the heck I am. And and but I'd hate to think that in that case, and I went back and paid. All right, but if I but if, but but that someone would have come and arrested me and put me in jail, right, for you know a crime for just making a mistake. So we have to allow for mistakes. Now, once again, if you make a mistake that causes someone to be killed, we need to make sure that you know you weren't a total fool. And that's, you know, where she comes into play. But I don't want to be in a society where, you know, if you just make a mistake, we're just going to throw you in jail. Right. And, wow. and I think one of the things that people have to understand is when it comes to litigation in a trial setting, everybody has a role. Right. So the judge's role in the trial is to guide and ensure that they are a safekeeper of the evidence that is allowable and admissible. The jury gets to decide. And I know that makes people very nervous. <laughs> but the jury, people who are not necessarily trained in the law or anything like that, they hear the entire trial. They see all the evidence that has been admitted and they make the decision based on instructions that are given them as more of a perimeter. Not not so much the substance, but it's more like don't go beyond these perimeters if you feel like they apply. Right. Okay. So the whole point of the jury getting this instruction is to know, hey, the defense has presented this argument. <laughs> Now, how much of that you want to believe is up to you. Thank you. Right. And I exactly. think the, the right. problem is we're so used to seeing outcomes that are not favorable to our interests that we no longer have faith in the 12 people who are in the box making the decision. And that was one of the tough things for me because, you know, I always split between being a black and being. Uh, I, I want to have faith in the trial system. But right. I, I also have my own reservations, but I was riding hard for the jury. I said, no, I want to believe in people. And I got all kinds of uh, I'm not going to say hate mail. I'll just say mildly disgruntled mail. Uh, <laughs> people on Facebook was like, how how could you believe the jury? How dare you? Like, uh, that is how trial works in America. <laughs> so, so, um, so I was happy when they came back and they returned with a verdict and that verdict was conviction. And right. you would be surprised. All the people who were on my timeline the day before talking about the jury stinks and the judge stinks and they gonna let her off. All of a sudden it was a celebration in the streets. It was pandemonium. It was Lollapalooza. It, it, it was it was Mardi Gras. For twenty four hours. <laughs> For twenty four hours. Right. Everybody's like, we gotta, we gotta, and put all the little memes up for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I so, never had any okay. doubt in, in the first place. Right, I right. believe in the American <laughs> judicial system for 24 hours. For 24 hours. So in that 24 hour period, we finished with the conviction. Now, because I know some people listening to us may not be actively engaged in legal lifestyles right. uh, and may not have a lot of experience with state court. Uh, one of the differences between state court and federal court is it's not like you get rescheduled to come back for a sentencing hearing in a couple months. You you come back. Oh, and that was amazing to me. Immediately, right? Like this, this is, we we're just gonna roll it into the next phase of the trial in state court. So for all those people who are doing their interstate trafficking, I won't call you out, but you may not <laughs> understand this because every time you've had to go to court, oh well, you know I can go back and get my affairs in order before I go back for sentencing. It's not a big deal. No, it's not how it works in state court. Um, so we, we go from the conviction and just a note on the conviction. After the conviction happens, here's another list of, of issues that 
my people had on my timeline. Yes. Uh, there was a scene with the deputy. The deputy actually comes over and depending on your perspective, either engages in searching Amber Geiger's hair for weaponry or engages in shooting a Pantene commercial. It just depends <laughs> on what your, what your perspective is. Uh, it looked like caressing to me. And, and that she's, 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 she, now, but that's the thing is, here's the thing that's, that's hilarious about this and why we should have known from the beginning that, that it must have been the former. Um, when, I, I, I've been married for 27 years and, and my wife has never run her fingers through my hair. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't remember, you know, many times the sister just gonna run that hair. And you know how we are. We don't, we don't necessarily, you know, trust all the hygiene, um, of, 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 our, of our fellow Americans. And so, right. you know, we, we normally have some reservations about touching anybody's hair. Mm-hmm. So I assume that, right. I, I, that, that it was, now she didn't have gloves on, but I don't know what happened to sister, maybe she left me at home. But normally sister would have had not only gloves on, but she would have also had her some pine salt, right? <laughs> and some Clorox, maybe some Vicks Vapor Rub. You know, she would have been, um, you know, hermetically sealed. I don't know what happened there, but the idea that the sister was caressing, um, Geiger, I'm going to assume that she was actually doing her job. Right. So here's the thing. I've had I have friends that were in that courtroom who indicated to me that she was doing her job. Also, as long as I've been practicing, I've never seen a bailiff just reach over and touch someone's hair and caress them because they're not <laughs> because it's their job and they will like get fired. Like you can't just right. you can't just touch defendants in the courtroom and that that like that's not how that any of that works. Well, I now have I ever seen them be that gentle? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, you know, even when they're patting them down, I'm like, dang, that's a little oh, golly. Um, but I don't, I don't believe that she was caressing our hair. And, you know, and I think that you know we are such a sign a, a sound bite culture that you know people take one thing and be like, you know, it'll take. You know, one 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 person would be like, this is what they said, and they said it, was, you know. And so I, I think, obviously, for the cameras, it looked terrible. And I think because she was doing it, she was talking to her. But I also have some parents that are super nice and super respectful to defendants. I know some of them, I, I'm looking at two of them that will talk to them and that whatever, and one of them said to me, he said, you know, Michelle, I always treat everyone with respect. I always treat everyone the way that I would want to be treated. And I don't get disrespectful with you until you get disrespectful with me. So I don't know her as a bailiff, but I just know normally law enforcement, especially in the courtroom, you can't touch people just to touch them. (laughs) Until you get them in booking for the cavity search. Correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was it. Was I mean, it, it was a uh, it, it was a thing though. Um, and and so she gets convicted. She she you know she gets a little, little more crying. Um, and uh, but then we go to the sentencing phase. Absolutely. So right. so we roll into sentencing, and at sentencing you hear everybody putting on testimony, really to talk about both and John as a person. Uh, and again, I mean, this, this guy was amazing. People like this deserve to be here, right? So everybody talks about all the stuff he did in the community, all the stuff he did for his church, all the things he did to support his friends. And I got to give credit to the state because they even found his white female friend and they had her come and shed tears too. And I was so proud. You got to equalize the tears out. Right. <laughs> I was so proud. 
she talked about, you know, how great he was and how encouraging he was. And she was nervous that um, he would be sad because she got a job offer going somewhere else. And he sent her a text message late at night to say, um, you, you know, you've done you're doing what you're supposed to do. I'm proud of you. I was like, just nothing bad. There was nothing bad presented by this guy. And the hard part for me is why is it that we would even expect anything bad? Like I had to check myself because I was listening to say, okay, I know the defense is going to present somebody who's going to say, yeah, but did you know about X, Y, and Z? And it, it never happened. And I checked myself and was like, why, why am I so programmed at this point to look for negatives? Cause even if, even if Botham John was a convicted felon, in this situation, it doesn't matter. He did right. nothing wrong. He was Correct. in his house. Um, so I think that just makes it all the more tragic for for me. You know, part of 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 me in, in that situation, like you said, you know, is I'm listening to all this, and my first thought, of course, always comes back to me, and I'm just like, damn, I ain't shit. Um, because I hate to think people got him testified. I mean, think about it. He ain't have, he ain't owe nobody $200. Like, he had have a phone bill that was in somebody else's name. You know, there wasn't no woman talking about he didn't call me after two dates. I mean, you know, like nothing, right? And I was like, man, this brother, you know, is, is who I was supposed to be, right? And, oh, and, 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 but here's the thing that was disturbing to me about it is that all of that came in in sentencing, which is good, but, all of that was also part of the trial narrative. It, it, it had to be what allowed them to find a, 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 you know, a guilty verdict in the first place because had it been Pookie or Ray Ray, even in the same mm-hmm. situation, in his own place, right. um, he would have had some problems. Absolutely. And so I was like, man, to be a black man, not only do you have to be perfect, you got to be at home in your drawers. Right, he nice when you put some clothes on, they shoot you. You know, and, and it's like it, it's too hard to to have a Black Lives Matter. You should, you know, we should be able to have some ain't shit brothers live too. Absolutely. Right, you know, it, Ben Ben Crump, he talked about that at one of the press conferences. He was like, you know, Botham Jean was like the best person there is. He was like the perfect person, but it shouldn't have to be that you have to be a perfect person for A, to be a conviction and for us to care. You should, right. it doesn't matter what you have go- going on. And I think, Jesse, why you were so surprised that nothing came out because we're so used to the narrative of, yeah, he was wonderful, but there was a little weed. He was wonderful, right. but he a little crack. He was wonderful, but you know he liked to steal. He was wonderful, but you know uh, he he his license was suspended due to child support. It doesn't matter what Thank those you. butts are because his life, your life matters. Our lives matter. Like you know, I, I mean, and, and I think that that's why you were kind of like, oh yo, oh yeah, th- th- he was a church boy. And I love that they equalized the white tears. I love that they were like, it was a white girl tear off. It sure was. And I, I you know, his best friend, she, she won. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not supposed to be funny, but that's a, <laughs> the white woman tear off. Um, you know, I'm, I'll take it anywhere I can get it by any means necessary. Absolutely. So, Sentencing here, we hear from uh, the family of Botham Jean. Botham Jean. We and actually have a the clip family. Of that. Oh, was that? Well, go ahead and get you to go to the first family member. Uh, so the family the, of the family who spoke, it was his mother, his father, and his brother. At least that's and, who I saw. No, his sister. His and sister. His, oh, that's right. That's right. And I think uh, his brother 
came after the fact. Correct me if I'm wrong. He was you're, after the you're right. He was after the sentencing. Oh, really? Yeah, the brother was after the sentencing. After the sentencing? I thought that was part of the whole victim impact statement. No, nah, he was after the sentencing. He definitely was after. Okay, all right. Because uh, I, I remember uh, Michelle and I were, were texting back and forth when all these people were coming up, and I was telling her because I had just gotten back to my office when the father, Bertram Jean, was, was testifying. And I was like, man, this is hard to hear. I, I'm not going to be able to get through it. It looks like he's going to crack at any moment. Uh, he was trying to hold it together to talk about his son and, you know, how he had taught his son how to cook and how he would enjoy Sundays because he knew that was the day that his son yeah. would call him. And mm. it, it was a lot. And I, I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know how people, I'm, God's still working on me. So I'm, I'm trying to understand how people can process these things in such a way, but it was, it was a lot. It was very touching. Uh, I think if anything, it showed the kind of person that both of them was right. and the kind of person that the parents are to raise, you know, such great guys. Um, so it was really touching, but at some point during the sentencing, this thing became a, some kind of love fest. And what I mean by that is, Amber Geiger was doing her best. I mean, I guess she should have won an Oscar for all the tears that she had uh coming out. But everybody who talked, she cried, cried, cried. And then she tried yeah. to sit up and be stoic. And then there were more tears. And it was all this back and forth. Uh But nobody came out really hammering for her in the way that I would have. Right. So, like, I'm, I'm thinking about it. And, and Lord, forgive me. But I'm thinking about, like, if you just killed my relative. Right. I want you to know that but for these tables and this, this deputy, <laughs> for that, uh, we would have, and if I can make the deputies call a break and get to you, we're going to have a problem real soon. Um, right. and, and so the grace that I just saw people exhibiting and keeping it simple, talking about, you know, their relative and not, you know, necessarily casting any kind of, uh, evil intent towards Amber Geiger. On one hand, it's it's amazing. I think these are the people that Christianity will hold up to us to say, this don't is what heaven. Jesus Christ will get. They'll make heaven. You said what? They'll make heaven. They will make heaven. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But then, because I'm me, <laughs> and I'm not quite there yet, uh, it's confusing because it's like, nah, no, 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 no. You don't get to just walk away. Like, you don't get to just be done with this. Uh, you, this guy will never be able to have kids, never be able to have a wife, never be able to start business he wants to do. Like, you, you took away a life. And I think sometimes that, that impact of what the victim loses gets lost in the sauce. And, and yeah, at some point when people are starting to be, more friendly after sentencing towards Amber Geiger, it just feels like she received the redemption that she did not deserve. She didn't deserve it at all. Like it was literally, I, you know, I, I really try hard not to comment on Mr. Jean's family because, you know, Sean, I don't know why you took your post out. I don't, I, I didn't, your, your apology post was very long, so I couldn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> To, to be honest, but I agree 100% with what you said. I 
you know, and, and Jesse and I were talking about this today and my wife very, very eloquently posted about this, um, as well. And she and I have been talking about this. I cannot feel, um, more angry than the person that was harmed, right? Mm-hmm. I can't be more pissed off than the person that was harmed. I will tell you, Michelle Kenyatta Rainer Goolsby, that is my name. It's on the floor of the bar, so you can find it. Michelle Kenyatta Rainer Goolsby, you kill someone that I love. Oh, they ain't finna be no trial. Like, I'm gonna be on trial. <laughs> be trial. Hey, period. I can't forgive people for petty stuff. So I don't, and you know, it takes, I mean, you know, God has to come and like, you know, like Jesus has to sit down in the corner and be like, nigga, really, we, this is what we do. <laughs> well, I, I don't know why y'all have me out here because you know, y'all got really smart people that be out here and then there's me. Like, I, but for real though, I cannot forgive people for that kind of stuff. So the amount of strength that it took, I, but I also know that I can't pass judgment on this family, how they chose to cope. I don't, but I will tell you this. I don't think his mama has uh, forgiveness. She's like, as far as forgiveness and me and Amber, I'm going to leave that to myself. Co-word. I don't forget that. Period. Here's the thing. So, so, you know, I saw immediately there became people who were upset and let's, let's, let's get to what, what got people uh, upset. For one, have we talked about how long the sentence, we haven't even, we, we've kind of skipped it. We talked about, okay, so people got mad about this. I'm going to play the, the clip here. Um, of Botham, um, Gene, or John, his, his brother, Brant. He's 16 at the time his brother was killed. I think he's 18 now, and so just a very young man, all right? And he, um, by the way, makes national news. Former police officer Amber Geiger was answering that right. had entered Let's go her forward. apartment. There we go. done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die. Just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you, and I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Pretty moving, but it didn't. All end right. And we're actually going to go back to that, to, to, to that clip. This set, um, the internet on fire. And people were immediately upset. By the way, do we get to the point where he asked to hug her? And then there's this scene where he comes and he gives her this big hug and people lost their minds. And I understand both your point, Jesse and Michelle, in the sense that personally, am I that forgiving? Uh, no, I remember just earlier this week when Trump said there'd be a civil war if he got in peace. I was like, bring it, bitches. I ain't never forgiving y'all for voting for Trump. Now, I, I seriously, and there are people in my life who I have cut out because they voted the way I didn't think they should. So I ain't for forgiveness at all. But I got mad because I was like, how are you going to judge this young brother, right, for his forgiveness? Like, I, you know, it's not on me. I wouldn't be that way. But the fact that he's trying to cope with it as a young man, just a baby, right? 18-year-old boy. That's not, by the way, 18-year-old boy is not, not a man. All right? You're not a man until you're about 48. 
Uh, so Jesse, you got a little, you, you just had a lesson, Jesse. Uh, you, you ain't a man until you, you know, until you sprain you, until you got a sciatica, right? Until your, until your back is hurting because you played wee bowling. You know, that's when you, when you a man. Um, and certainly you're not a man at 18. So the fact that people were getting all on this boy whose di- brother just died, yeah, I got, I got into my feelings about it a little bit. But something happened later that kind of changed my mind. But we'll get to that because we still haven't gotten to the punchline. We've just in the sentencing, and then what does the, the the Texas jury decide? Oh, the Texas jury uh, enters a sentence of ten years. Yeah. Now the, no. the state had asked for twenty eight. I think it's important for people to know. Yeah. It's not like the state just said, "Okay, well we'll take whatever you give us." The the state asked for twenty eight. The minimum in Texas year, is five. Right? One for every right, year. One for every year because he would have been 28 years old this year. And I can confirm. I can confirm because y'all know that I would know. I can confirm that that's what the family wanted. Right. Wanted that. Now, here's what crazy is. Remember, two, uh, 24 hours before, we were like, the system has worked. America the beautiful. We were, right. we were over <laughs> amber grains of Wayne. You know, well, not amber, but we're going to change that song for the song. But Purple Mountain Majesty, right? Prince, upon the fruited plains. We were doing the whole song. We even did, we did the Ray Charles version, of course. And then the 10 years comes out and we were like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and what cracked me up was people were like the system the system i'm like this ain't the system this is the same 12 people you wanted to give piggyback rides to yesterday right? <laughs> so, you know you can't say for instance i've seen this and this this, this conflation keeps coming up people will put a post up this person got 28 years for that amber you know got 10 years i'm like look no no, no. that person was sentenced by a judge this person was sentenced by a, a, a you know a half black jury, right? With lots of women on it, etc. This was our jury. There was something that they saw that made them think that you know it, it only deserved ten years, etc. None of us are immune to white tears; they're powerful, right? And so maybe they got caught up in that too. But the but the bottom line is, people were mad. Like like I think people have bet a lot of money on the over under. And then they lost on the, I think there a lot of people that go on 28 and over. And so people were acting like, like they had literally lost their money. I mean, they were mad at this jury. Coons and, and sellouts. And I'm like, how are these people that you loved 24 hours earlier <laughs> mad at now? Because that's what we do. That's, that cancels out that cancel culture. I mean, like I posted on my Facebook, I've had, you know, a client that no, no criminal history shot at someone, was drunk, shot at someone, um, got it down for attempted murder to act bad. It was great, great bodily harm and 10 years day for day. This girl's going to get out in five years. I get the distinction that it was a plea negotiation that we had to do and this was a jury. I, yeah. I think yeah, I, I get that distinction, but I think what people are up in arms about is that the, there's a the disparity of that. You know what I mean? There's a disparity of church and sure, this is not the first Texas court, you know, courtroom that's ever had a jury sentence a defendant. So then it becomes, okay, well, did y'all, will y'all sentence a black defendant to 20 years or to 10 years with similar facts? So I think it shows the disparity. <laughs> And even, and I think, you know, we always like, well, there are black people, you know, black people can be complicit in white supremacy, right? 
Oh, absolutely. Well, and that absolutely. is the thing that I think maybe should be what we take from this is the idea that none of us are immune from that. And I'm sure some of those people give to Black Lives Matter. I am sure they are down, right? They 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 don't put raisins in the potato salad, right? I mean, this you know they they weren't all raised in the suburbs. These are some real black people. But I'm telling you, white woman tears. And by the way, she went full white. She she was a brunette earlier, but she went blonde. All right, for the trial. All right, mm-hmm. you know she she pulled out all the white women she could. And I gotta tell you, two or three times, I found myself going, poor little tink tink. Mm-hmm. Oh, little, wait a minute! I'm like, wait a minute! What's wrong with me? I'm sure I'm the one going to get shot by this by this crazy ass woman, right? But <laughs> but I've been trained one to have sympathy for white women, and two, by the way, her tears scare me because when a white woman mm-hmm. start crying, you just some black man going to get shot, right? Mm-hmm. Right? And so mm-hmm. we all have that psychic thing that we're dealing with and trying to deal. You know, Michelle, how many times have you had a situation where you're in a conflict with, 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 with a white woman, which, by the way, a legitimate one, like maybe you're negotiating, a, where, where, where you start to think, you say, wait a minute, let me, you know, let me just stop eyeballing this white woman. Right? Where, you know, and, and where it's just been ingrained in us, right, to try to make white people, particularly women, comfortable because there's bad stuff that happens, right, when, 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 when white women are uncomfortable. And we're all guilty of it, and we've got to get to the point where we start to understand that it's not about intent or whatever. It's about conditioning. You live in society's conditioning you that way. Or how do you spell relief? Mm. If you're a grown person, and you guys are probably a little kid, but if you're a grown person, here's everyone over forty, over fifty says R O L A I D S. Right. <laughs> Why? Because right. Been, for 30, that commercial, by the way, hadn't been on the air for 30 years. But I believe you hear that for, for every day of your life when you, you know, from, from, from being a kid to 10, you'll remember that, right? And so the idea here is for us to sort of come to grips with the fact that black people have been conditioned with this too. Right. And we need to break free of it. But I got to tell you, it, it's going to be hard for us to, to, to break free of this because <sighs> – I, I, I wanted to save this till the end. Maybe I, I'll, I'll say it now. Um, I'm making an official announcement. I'm retiring from being black uh, as of December 31st. <laughs> I, will, I will be black until the day I die, and when they bring me back, I'm going to be a black woman, period. Uh, there I'm, we I'm, go. There you go. Well, I, I'm going back to being Mormon. and um, I, I, They don't let you be black and Mormon, so I had to make one choice or the other. And I, I'm going to go back. And, and let me tell you what I'm thinking about going back. I haven't made my official announcement yet, or my official. I haven't signed my papers yet, right? But the reason I might, I might go back is because as black people, we're real hard on each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, and, we have and, and ways that, that are almost, you know, it, it shows, it's so indicative of this, of this white supremacy and how we've bought into it our, our, ourselves. And so here's what I mean by hard on ourselves. The sister, right? I remember, you know, Tammy Kemp, right? The, 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 the judge. The judge yeah, right. my Flora, Jesus. Oh. So your Flora, Jesse, that was his avatar. I mean, his Facebook profile picture uh, for a couple of days. Um, and, and, and this sister runs a trial, does what she's supposed to do, puts in, gets a conviction that likely won't be overturned. And then after the, the, the sentencing, hugs Amber Geyer. After she hugs the family, let's let's include that. And after the jury had been decided, so this is this isn't affecting the sentencing at all. And mm-hmm. we done we done turned her into a Django meme. <laughs> 
He just she told me the, before the show that he's trying to attack him. She is the biggest quote unquote coon of all time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because she did one thing that I admit was unorthodox, right? Probably wasn't well considered, but we're so hard on each other. When I was a Mormon, do you know what it takes for the other Mormons to turn on a Mormon? Let me tell you what it takes, because it's in the, it's in the book. You gotta kill at least two Osmonds. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the, the you know the, the ones we don't know. You gotta kill Donnie and or Marie. <laughs> All right, before the other Mormons will turn on you, they will ride or die with you. White people are pretty good about that. They say they don't have a team, but um, forty percent of them will ride with Trump no matter what. Mm. And no matter what BS he pulls, and they're not all happy about the tweets. They don't all say, oh, that's the greatest tweet in the world. But they will overlook some stuff. If you're going to give them some white supremacy, make America white again, they'll overlook some hookers and some stuff like that, right? Black yeah. people ain't overlooking shit. But, you know, I, I think there's a there's a reason behind that, too, though. I think, I mean, we all grew up hearing that, that mantra where we have to be three times as right. good to have, have the respect. Uh, but I actually think that this case is is presenting something interesting which i think is a new black american consciousness and what i mean by that is um i looked at this sentence and i said well the minimum that the jury could give is five years right, right? Mm-hmm. so i'm torn because they could have come back and said five years they would right? and we would have and we would have torn that city up absolutely <laughs> absolutely so they could have come back with five years, but they didn't. They came back with 10 years. Now, to any other person, if you look at black people going in the system charged with the same crime, and granted, not all murders are the same, but if you look at anybody else going in the system, I mean, it's not uncommon to catch 20, right? It's not right. uncommon to catch 20. So you might do 10 and then get parole, but you're going to catch this 20. So the fact that the DA was asking for 28, I thought, okay, maybe he's overshooting a bit, but you know, that's how you yeah, negotiate. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, but, but when they came back with 10, it, it drove a lot of thoughts in my mind about what do we value black life to be? And the fact that everybody collectively seems to have this same degree of consciousness about, you know, lives are not being valued. It was one of those situations where I, I at first was checking myself to say, how many cops have we tried to get into a court system that didn't even get charged? Right. right? So, so we we have gotten to a position where we have gotten past the charges. We've had a trial. We've gotten a conviction and we've gotten a sentence that's more than the minimum. Right. So in some respects, this looks like progress and development and hopefully a new standard moving forward that we can work to improve. But at the end of the day, we still know that there's significant differences in parity between what we are sentenced and what people who attack and oppress our community are going to be sentenced. And I wish I had an answer for people on that. I think the the concern that I have with that is if if we have an issue with this, which is legitimate, you have to look at the white supremacy that's already been baked into the system. The system operates the way it was engineered to operate. Uh, and it's not necessarily that this jury can do anything different. I think the jury heard all the evidence, the stuff that everybody else at the law office of Love, Seat, and Couch, PLLC, <laughs> they, they didn't um, necessarily 
get to see the evidence. They didn't necessarily right. get to hear everything. So to some degree, we have to trust that this jury, based on the weight of everything that they were given, made a decision that they felt was accurate. And I think the decision came down to, A, is it murder or something less? Right. And B, if we're going to go the extent of saying it was murder, but we might actually buy that this was a legitimate mistake from her, then maybe we don't throw the book at her. Right. Correct. And I think that may have been a compromise within within the jury box. It, it, it should be um, either either way, you know, but going back to the point of of, of, of being, you know, hard on one another, you know, it, it's it's like. I give you, I mean, I give you an example of something we talked about a few weeks ago, the Jay-Z thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so hard to be black. If you're a white entertainer, you could make any deal with the NFL you want to do. And ain't nobody going to say a damn thing. If you have fans and you're a Ted Nugent, you can do any repulsive thing in your world. Your fans are going to keep with you. But if you're black, um, not only must every album be popping. But um, you need to be on the right political side of everything, and it, it's just like, damn, you know, if you if you, if you got a choice, um, I, I guess you might want to pass. Like, it, 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 it's hard, and I think part of, like you said, is that standard. We have the highest standards, but at some point, you know, as, as a people, we gotta have we gotta have grace for ourselves. I understand that other people are not going to have grace for us, but, but have grace for yourselves. You know, and other groups seem to, to do that I look a little better than us. Some groups are a little bit better, but they have grace for themselves, right? They, you know, have high standards, you know, but, but, but within the, the tribe, they, they, I, I saw a video, and you think I'm kidding if you're, if you're listening, you go ahead and, go, and, and type it up. What is her name? Lauren Hill mm-hmm. getting booed. Well, Lauren now, is 95 hours late for no, a <laughs> I, I want to be clear. You're right. She deserved to get booed every day now. And I don't mean in concert. Just when she walked down the street, people should boo. Right? I grant you. But, but I mean, I mean, but here's the thing is, she was eight. She's at the Apollo. Oh, oh shit. Well. He booed children at the Apollo, and you both know I'm not exaggerating a lion. You're not. Right? But I mean, hold on now. Nice uh, hold on now. I mean, what's she good? <laughs> She's still Lauren Hill, but she wasn't ready. She wasn't ready for. Well, I guess she, you know, it wasn't whatever she the misunderstanding, miseducation of Lauren Hill, whatever you know. She the one album she was good in, all right. But it wasn't that. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, what was that? Um, Sister Act Two. Or the she wasn't. She wasn't up to that. But she was still Lauren Hill. She could sing a little bit, right? You know, yeah. who would I, I go to? You know, I'm in the suburbs, right? White people will will cheer any damn thing. But that, that's the problem. Like, like I think the difference is, and, and I'm just going to ride for my black community real quick. I don't know about you guys, but for my neighborhood, I'm the one that made it, right? Like, like that's, there's only going to be one of us that make it in that respective field. I mean, Jesse, Jesse, you know, he, you know, he got that cute, pretty wife, them cute kids. Yeah, you know, he teaching that that fans. We, we proud of you, son. You know, how, that's how we do. You know, that's how we do. <laughs> well, well, one of, one of the things that I embrace, though, is the fact that, like, we, from my neighborhood, we've had one guy that went to the NFL, right? Okay. There's, there's just somebody who makes it. And the thing about it is they make it because they know that this is the lane that they're going to escape with, right? So we put our support in them, but we expect in return that they're going to be excellent, right? <laughs> That's like, you, you're right. living all of our dreams. So you have to be excellent. And I, and I will say, there's intense pressure that comes with that. 
I so agree. when you're looking at the situation where like I'm I was doing criminal defense work in my hometown. So the people that I'm representing is folks I grew up with and they were trying to get me to go to the DA's office. And I'm like, there's no way that's going to be possible. It's just not going to happen. Right. But there's there's also going to be some expectations about what I do now that I've been able to make it. Part of the expectation what? is crack the door open for somebody else who's coming behind me so that now that I've been through all the hard stuff and dealt with all this, I can help mentor people who are coming in. But the other thing is when I produce, I need to be excellent. I can't come to court half seven. And that that doesn't matter who I'm up against because it's bigger than me. Right. right. And right. I, I think there's we have that standard because there's a reason we've got Marvin Gaye's and Whitney Houston's and like <laughs> there's a reason for that. Uh, it's not to say we didn't have other great singers, but we have yeah. people who are going to be remembered throughout history. Right, Whereas but here's right, girls, and, 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 and you're absolutely right. And, and you, but, but here's thing we talked about earlier, right? Is there should be room in blackness to not have to be. All right. I agree with that, but I, I agree with that that we should not, we should, there should not, we shouldn't have to have this expectation to perform. But I know that every day that when I make the choice to get up and do the work that I do, I'm carrying the back, I'm carrying black people on my back. And I understand, and that's why there's certain things that I post and I don't post because I know that some niggas are not involved enough to take what I say <laughs> and be like, oh, okay, nigga. Or, and I, and I understand that there's an expectation of, you know, oh, attorney Rainer. She, I mean, I was in the, like, no lie. I didn't hear my wife heard it. We're in the crab spot. Mr. and Mrs. Crab. All I want to do is eat my snow crab and be left in peace. My wife was like, there are three niggas over there talking about, oh, that's attorney Rain over there. That's her wife. We should go say hi. I was like, I hope you told them not to. I just want to eat my crabs. <laughs> right. right. But I also understand because of the work that I do, it's my hometown, the work that I do, that that's what comes with it and that I have to at all times be excellent and produce, like Jesse said. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I'll say this. The other thing about it is if you're white, we already know that you're given advantages. You can be an average white person and still do well. Right. <laughs> you're going to have the advantages. You've got the network. You've got everybody who can say good things about you. I, I know white people who are walking around damn near homeless. But they took a bath, shaved, and now they're some CEO, right? <laughs> it's it's just not the same. No, no, well, but, same, but here's no, the, and I get all of that, and I totally understand that. But perfect example, right? Is Jewish people have a um, you know, have, have had at some point, you know, lesser, all right, but some just you know, um, discrimination animus, um, you know, placed against them. But do you think that that a, a Jewish person says, you know what, for me to get a Jewish story, they got to be twice as good as a white guy? No, but they always immediately think that Jewish lawyers are better than anybody absolutely. else. Well, well absolutely. We, we, but 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 I don't know about you, but there's constantly a tape um, running through my head that says uh, that nigga ain't shit. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's sort of, you know, the ethos, right, of, of, of constantly sort of, you know, you know, downing ourselves and, and, and like I say, not just down ourselves, but holding ourselves to a standard where if you make any mistake, it is presumed to be something that, so for instance, you know, and we're going to talk about it because we think that, 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 well, I think, you know, what happened with Brant Jean 
was problematic because it created, I hate that word, it, 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 it allowed the, the, what would be the word for it, you know, the, the, the racists and the sexists and the people who, the, the maggots, to really glom on to his act and basically say there was a clip, I want to play it for you, where, where basically a guy came on Fox News today and was like, look, I don't know why all of y'all aren't doing this all the time. And, 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 and so here's what he said. Yes. All right, so they hug. Now, in that courtroom, he was speaking for himself, not his family. And there are people who think the last thing the killer deserves is forgiveness. But it does make you think if this young man could forgive the killer of his brother, then perhaps forgiveness is possible for just about anything else, including all the petty bullcrap that passes for offense these days. We witness daily destruction of people's lives based on past mistakes that mean nothing compared to something as horrifying and permanent as the murder of a loved one. People today are getting fired over Halloween costumes and pronouns. It's a lesson not just on forgiveness, but the pettiness of our recent and rampant scalp hunting. This courtroom moment should be played every morning in schools and workplaces. Imagine an HR department that showed that to a workforce or a social media company that would hire that young man for its board. It might be one solution for our grievance culture, a diversity of forgiveness. There are all kinds, some more intense than others, including Brant Jean, who revealed the selflessness you might never forget or perhaps ever see again. Don't white people love to see us. They love, though they live for this stuff. And that's the issue that I have with that. While I would not have done what he's done, the issue that I have for it is that white people, especially the white people that never posted nothing about Mm -hmm. both all of a sudden now are posting about his brothers hugging and saying oh forgiveness oh well you didn't even post anything about his death you didn't say you know like this is this is what i'm talking about of course this white man's like well all of you good negroes you need to take you need to take a lesson from your other good negro brother uh john and y'all negroes need to forgive us when we do racist ass foul ass shit (laughs) Y'all, I, I mean, and that, and that's the thing. That is the part. That's the extrapolation. That is the issue that we're having with this forgiveness conversation. Because what people are saying, I 100% agree with, but I yet have to hold intention. I can't tell Brent John, Brent John, how to, how to forgive, but that looks crazy. Well, no, it does. The serious thing about it is, is that I, I think if he had understood all that content, this is somebody from the islands, all right? They're from St. Lucia. They live in a, in, a, in a society that is actually, you know, majority black, right? Mm-hmm. Racism is different for them. I'm sure they have to deal with white, you know, oppression. White people don't sure own everything there. But, but it's, it's, it's a different type of thing. He doesn't, because he's 18. But here's the thing about it is, the condemnation that's coming down on him is they're treating him like he's Kanye. Like he had a press agent, he thought about it and said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and open this up and allow Fox to, to exploit this. You see what I'm saying? Like there's no race in sort of saying, okay, this young brother didn't mean to do this, obviously. He doesn't understand. He's a young man, like I said. And, you know, you've been good about it, like in Michelle, in the sense that, you know, you're not personally, but, I mean, you know, you've seen it. People are personally vilifying him. And that's what I mean by we're tough on each other. Like we have no grace in the sense of being able to say, hey, brother, you know, I, I know you didn't, you know, you, you know, you didn't do this on purpose. You didn't know any better. Hopefully this will be a learning lesson. We can't keep apologizing in public like this because it, it creates this problem. But the idea that, like I said, Coon and Dada, you know, it's like, come on. 
Well, I I just want to say, I mean, that was the slickest pull off of multiple dog whistles in one paragraph that I have ever heard. I I was right now when he was like, people are getting upset about pronouns and Halloween costumes. He's talking about blackface and LGBTQ. And then he talked about it's just scalp hunting. I was like, wow, he's just going for the trifecta. He's, ah. he's like, I'm going to offend everybody without offending anybody. And then put it and tag it with Brent John giving this forgiveness, this innocent forgiveness. Uh, and, and it's just ridiculous. But I mean, it's Fox News. So no, I've, no, I've no, come and, to and, and, expect and, and, it. You know, like I said, you know, like same, same reaction that you did. It's like, wait a minute. So you know, I love the fact that, by the way, you know, the pronoun thing, for instance, let's be clear. All right. To my knowledge, no one has ever gotten fired for an inadvertent slip of a pronoun. Right. I, 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 there's a, a, a non-binary um, gender person who speaks, does webinars for, for my company a lot, great speaker. And, you know, I'm constantly saying, I'm sorry, I meant they, right? And they have not gotten mad at me once yet. If you're trying, you're doing it, et cetera. Now, if you go on there and you're continually, intentionally misgendering right. people, yeah, everyone, right. think about it. Here's the thing is, here's the thing is, they, they act like that's uh, like a, 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 amazing. You realize if you call a man, a woman more than once, you gotta fight him? That's in the Bible. <laughs> right? In the world, you could call a man she ten times and have him not punch you in the mouth. <laughs> and yet they act like it's so surprising that people would want to be called their preferred gender, their preferred pronoun. When they would lose their minds, if somebody called that guy she, he would lose his his mind. Right. Yeah, he just don't want you taking away his blackface Halloween costume right. Fair enough. That's, that's all. Hey, you know, well, I, 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 as long as they, here's what they need to do then, let us own all of the shoe polish companies. Right. So at least we can get some money out of this. Because they, they ain't going to stop blackfacing them, apparently. That's, that's the thing. They got to do that every weekend. Oh, yeah. And we're going to put a chemical in to make it permanent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I want to get back to, to Brangine. I want to get back to this, this concept. So, um, the concept of forgiveness versus subjugation. Uh, and just to make a parallel to this, I remember when Dylan Roof was fresh off of his whopper with extra cheese <laughs> and came to court for his arraignment and the entire congregation of Emmanuel Baptist Church was in the front row coming about they forgive they forgive they forgive and i'm thinking to myself he came in the church shooting at y'all he would have shoot, shot y'all too had y'all went to church that day right right he came right. In here shooting at everybody because they're black and y'all rushing down to forgive him when he has done nothing to show any degree of repentance the man's charges is fresh the ink hasn't dried on any of his indictments yet and everybody is running down i forgive you i forgive you i forgive you so on one hand of course, white society is going to take that and hold that as the gold standard. Like, right, right. you need to forgive. It's for you. It's not for them. It's for you and all this stuff. But I guess I'm upset because at what point are black people going to be allowed to be angry? Right. It, you, you shouldn't have to you shouldn't endure over 400 years of victimization and continue to turn the other cheek or continue to feel like, hey, I got to forgive and move forward. If there's a problem with the system, it's okay to be angry. And we need to be angry and mobilize around that anger to do something about it. I'm not saying go burn down all your stores, but I am saying like it's, it's okay to be upset. And if anything, I would hope that that would encourage more involvement. 
So people who might have been dodging jury trial, uh, jury trials and jury selection and jury duty. Hey, maybe you want to go from now on. People who've been dodging elections, people who thought about running for office, but don't really want to do it or don't really know if they want to do it. This should, this should encourage you. It should motivate you to want to go out and do these things and to make the changes that you want to, you know, see, see implemented. But it just seems like what always gets fed to us is forgiveness because it is the pill that would allow us to alleviate the anger and move forward. I, I was talking to somebody today and I said, um, there's this whole parody about the big guy and the dentist, right? And the dentist is trying to pull his teeth because he needs dental work and it's hurting. So the big guy knocks dentist one out. The dentist right. two comes in with a shot and the guy says, is it going to hurt? And the dentist says it is going to hurt, but with the shot, you won't feel it as bad. Right. right. And I feel like that's what forgiveness has turned into. It's been weaponized as the shot so that we don't feel so bad because just like Michelle said, I'm never going to be more angry about something that happened to your family than you are. So if you're sitting here saying I forgive and you giving hugs, as far as I'm concerned, my anger is gone. It's done. It wouldn't be me. That's not how I would choose to deal with it. Right. And but, if I thought you were in the street, I mean, I, she may get this two piece. Like, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I can't. I can't disagree with any of that. And, and you know, like I said, you know, you know I, I was cons- concerned because I could see, like you said, all of that bubbling up where people, you know, will use this. Particularly people. I mean, I don't think the examples he gave there were, you know, were basically saying we want to keep being ass to you. We know this bothers you. We know it's upsetting to you. We don't want HR to keep firing us for creating this hostile work environment. You need to just understand that this is how it's going to be. We want to go back to the old days, right? And, right. and, and, and certainly anytime we sort of forgive, you know, easily without, you know, and when they hold it up as an example, right, it, 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 it creates that, you know, perception. And here's the thing, like I said, the thing that bothered me was, all day long, now, I, I have to admit, I've only heard this, but I heard other white people telling me, oh, yeah, all day long people have been posting this. I'm sorry, you know, by the way, people who are not sympathetic to our causes ever, right, the All Lives Matter crowd, right, yeah. um, or I'm sorry, the, or the Blue Lives Matter crowd as, 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 as something that, you know, was great. And I love the fact that you, you always know when the conservatives point out black people, you know, it, it's always going to be for some stuff that allows them to basically – you know, to, 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 what be the word for it? To uh, have a surrogate racist forum. Mm. So, um, you know, anytime they point out a black man, so for instance, a great example, Larry Elder, the, by the way, another lawyer, um, has the talk show host. He wrote a book a couple of years ago called Stupid Black Men. Now, no white man in America could write that book. Mm. But right. he could write it as a black man and then say all the stuff they want to do, right? So oftentimes they'll use us, you know, had, and great example is you just you mentioned it this week. Wasn't there a brother? Where was he in Sacramento? Who cursed out the cop? Oh, that um, was in Florida. That was in Florida. Thank you. Right at the city council meeting, right? Yes, the county commissioner. County commissioner, right? Cursed out the cop. Uh, I, I didn't see white people posting that all over Facebook today. Mm. So, so they only want to post right the, the idea when we forgive them for some you know stuff that, that they don't even you know ask for forgiveness yet on. But when it's you know us calling them out, you know then then you know that that's that that's problematic, right? So I I totally get that. I just want us to be both you know strong for black people and also a little more gentle for black people. And I get what happens is you get into the mode of fighting all the time. You just fight raw and you know but 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 damn we don't like i said you know maybe we shouldn't boo all of our kids at the apollo 
And then maybe maybe we can just you know allow the eighteen year old to to greet his 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 brother and not you know assume that he is you know diamond and or silk. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, if, if we uh, oh go ahead, I'm sorry, Michelle. I, I want to touch. I just got this to my um, inbox. There's a lawyer that we all um, I think maybe either are friends with on social media. He's a black attorney. Um, he filed a complaint of judicial misconduct against uh, Judge Tammy Kemp. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what I mean. And, see, and he wrote, in part, um, he cited their canons, and he said, Ms. Geiger is an ex-cop, white female, convicted felon, um, convicted felon, uh, Judge Kemp, hugging Ms. Geiger and gifting her a Bible is preferential treatment. Is it because she's an ex-cop, a woman, or a white woman? It just seems improper. With the possibility of pending appeal in future matters, it shows much bias to her. It almost sends the signal that ex-cops or white women will get favor from her in her court. Albeit it was a jury trial, future defendants may opt for a judge hoping to get Kemp. Judge Kemp's conduct lowered the public's confidence in the judiciary's integrity. Also talks about church and state. I literally have a problem with this as a black woman because what was one of the first things I told you, Jesse, I will not drag this black woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let, me not, let me not start about how black men love to do this to us. My God. Would he have done this to woo woo? Well, no, and Jesse and I talked about that, you know, and I was telling well, my wife earlier this, this week, you know, one of the things I loved about Jesse's post, and we both, you know, were enjoying his post this week, because, you know, Jesse basically was sort of like, I, I, I don't know how you kept your job, tell the truth, because you were just watching some court TV and, and reporting, <laughs> you were live, you know, Facebook every minute. But the thing that was, was interesting is, is that, you know, you were going to be down for the sister. And you're always like that. And, you know, when, when people start, you know, uh, criticizing for the castle doctrine, you're the first one to be like, well, we're not going to do up in here. Right. Right. Just talk about this sister. And 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 I wish, you know, more of us would just be that way, which like I don't agree with everything you said. Call her behind closed doors. If you her soror, be like, girl, what are you doing? But Mm -hmm. let's not get her thrown off the bench. So we're going to have what? We're going to have that guy from Fox be the judge now. (laughs) Right. In blackface. Right. Thank you, right? Because I promise you, whatever you think, you know, sister here did, I, you know, this brother, you know, this guy's gonna do worse. And we just, and I just want us to have a little more grace to each, to, to each other. You know, we can still be mad at white people, but let's at least be good to each other. Right. Yeah. And and you know, this is a teachable moment. Like one of the the classes I teach, I talk about uh, the the rift between uh, a seasoned Thurgood Marshall and a young up and coming Martin Luther King. Okay. A lot of people don't know that they had several disagreements, but back then what people did was they would write a letter, right? Thank you, right? They would write a letter and say, hey, in front of these cameras and everything, I'm going to support you, right? Like, you're my man, but I think you're going to do something that's going to get you killed. Here's some advice. And then the other person will be like, well, your advice is too slow. I got a way of doing it, whatever, whatever. And we can just right. disagree, right? But in front of everybody, I mean, who was the person who, who sent JFK before JFK's assassination, who sent Thurgood Marshall's recommendation for the Supreme Court? It's Martin Luther King, right? Publicly, we have to move as, as a unit to some degree because we're all in this together. But at the end of the day, I think one of my concerns comes down to publication of our grievances with our own because yeah. there needs to be a purpose behind that. If it's going to be something that everybody is going to have access to, 
and everybody will be able to see. There needs to be an agenda point as to why that happened that we all collectively support. And I feel like if, if you don't feel that you have that, then it's just an attack. You're just trying to score points. Um, you know, I could see if she if she did something during the, the trial, maybe if she was giving out Bibles during the trial, like that, <laughs> that would be like, OK, we, we might be behind it. But after the case is over, I don't think anything she did had any negative impact on sentencing or on the conviction. I'm not going to lie. It seems weird. Right. It seems weird. Right. But I just feel like you have to give people the benefit of the doubt in situations where it's not creating any kind of judicial precedent or impact. Um, maybe, and she's much like the jury, maybe because she heard the entire trial, she might have legitimately believed. All of all of that, yeah, I mean. Yeah. And let's be clear, she also might be like all the rest of us and, and, and a little susceptible to white tears. It's, it's, it's a thing. But, right. you know, the idea of publicly dragging, trying to get her thrown off the bench, you know, and I think you, you mentioned the point that's, 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 that's so important. That. I'm like, Jesus Christ, sorry. I'm right. Sorry. You know, no, you're right. And you know, you got every right to be mad. You'd be more mad than, than we are. And, and, and part of it, like you said, Justin, this is an important thing. And, you know, I've been probably guilty of this myself is we got to learn to take these disputes, you know, behind closed doors. Right. I mean, I've seen it recently with the big thing between, uh, Sean King and, and McKesson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, now we're out here. This is the flavor of love now. And now we're out here fighting for, for white people's enjoyment. And we gotta sort of say, at least, you know, within the tent, right, you know, you know, you know, and like I said, it was, you know, in the civil rights movement, you know, these were men, these were men. There were nothing but disagreements between this group and that group, and, you know, and sometimes people were, 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 were public about them, um, you know, but, but Dr. King, he wasn't saying, even when people were calling him all kind of names, he wasn't, mm-hmm. now I'm sure when he went home to a Coretta, he was like, does this motherfucker know who I am? Does he know I'm, who I'm MLK? I'll go bust a cap in it at home. <laughs> but when he got back on TV, he, he was cool, you know, because he understood, you know, it's very difficult to, and, and this is for, from a strategic standpoint, you know, if I saw a group of people constantly fighting amongst themselves, I'm not so sure I'm like, you know, g- going to be jumping into battle with them if they can't not fight with each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think, you know, I, I've done a lot of study in in black history, and I think, one of the things that people oftentimes overlook is despite the fact that you can disagree with somebody's methods, like you can still have their bag. Right. Right. So right. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X agreed on almost nothing. But who was there providing security or at least offering security for everything that Martin Luther King was trying to do? Malcolm X. Right. Like that. We're, we're at right. some point we're still all actively in this together. And I do think that historically speaking, one, we've had too many situations where women had great ideas and nobody listened to them. So that's the first thing. The, the second thing is I feel like we have to look and understand that even if people disagree, there may be things that one person is doing, particularly on a bigger scale, that is more effective because mm-hmm. nobody can dispute that Martin Luther King's methods weren't effective. Right? right. He got a lot of changes done, maybe not as fast as other people would have wanted it. But he got a lot of things done and he got the ear of at least two presidents, right? <laughs> to, to at least listen to the calls when at that time nobody was even hearing us. Right. So I, I think that we sometimes take for granted some of the advances that we've had over the years. And we sometimes want to feel like it's still 18, 
You know, it's still 1813 out here, right? When in actuality, there are so many things that are improvements that have been solutions proposed by other people who you may or may not agree with. And we can always tweak a solution, right? So for, for a situation like, you know, anything from the court system changes or legislative changes, always get nervous when people operate from a position of strictly fear, right? It, it, I would rather, and politicians do this to you all the time. We're getting ready to see it a lot in 2020. I, <laughs> I can tell you right now, I've seen the cliff notes for Donald Trump's campaign. And right. it says Ukraine, Russia, China, fear, 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 Ukraine, China. That's, that's pretty much the cliff notes. So, so we're getting ready. I just want people who are listening to be prepared. There are going to be a lot of people who are going to tell you things that you should fear, right? But what you should be looking for are people who are proposing a solution. And that's not to say you agree with the solution. But at least if you propose a solution, I can feel comfortable that you've identified a problem and that you've looked at it and researched it. We can always tweak a solution. But, you know, don't don't just vote out of fear. Don't be scared out of fear. Don't deny yourself the opportunity to be part of a change just because you're afraid, right? People are going to criticize. It's always going to be something. And and the fact remains that if she wasn't a judge, right, then we'd be mm-hmm. complaining that we don't have anybody. Right. So we've got her in there. Oh, we about to not she have anybody if we, if, we, if we start complaining. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, and then on top of that, like, you know, there's this whole theory of if if you think you can do better, right, <laughs> then why aren't you on the ballot? If you think right. you can do better, that's the point. But half the people who complain, they don't even have high school diploma. So, <laughs> you know, it would help if you, you know, put some stock into what it is that you're complaining about. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do, what, what do we learn from this thing going forward? Um, how do we we think that this changed the, 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 the landscape? And I'll give you an example. With you know the the case that Michelle was most familiar with, the Florida Sandy Ground case with uh, Brother McLaughlin, you know what that did was was why that was so important for us. I think as a people was that at least it it, it it sort of stopped a slow progression to I see black person I'm scared shoot them, and at least mm-hmm. now in Florida you got to think at least a second, all right before right you decide that oh my God his blackness is enough to kill me I need to shoot the blackness. Mm-hmm. And, but now that don't apply to police, unfortunately, but just civilians. In this case, what do we think that you know? Sort of is this is this does this change anything where where cops or civilians will be more careful about killing black people? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you want you want to expand expand on that, counselor? I mean, I would just I know. I mean, I know like we you know what I'm taught to say in the civil rights attorney school. Um, of Hogwarts, the civil rights attorney school, uh, that, you know, yes, and it changes. No, it doesn't. Because at the end of the day, not only did she walk in there and kill this man, but you had a whole, she had the whole police department at her disposal. Fair enough. And at the end of the day, when you have officers who kill unarmed black folks, and hell, sometimes armed black folks, but those armed black folks weren't posing a threat to you. Mm-hmm. Every day you have a DA's office that's in, that you, that they closely work with say, Hey, listen, we're going to find that it was justifiable. Mm-hmm. And the only reason that Amber really got, uh, got 
got convicted or got even indicted is because there was a girl with the video because really it was Amber's word versus his word. And mm-hmm. she could have made up anything and there was a girl with the video. So a black woman, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, these officers have people at their disposal that will cover up for them. And it takes something this egregious, this outrageous for them to, um, for, for, for the tide to turn. You have police departments at their very core that will cover for their own. And they do it every day. Every, every day. And that's one of the interesting things. It's, it's, it's funny. We we're talking earlier about, you know, black people being so hard on each other. I like the idea that we hold each other to a high standard, that we don't put up with a lot of BS. And that makes sense in a perfect world where everyone else is like that. But when you deal with a world where there are all these other groups that will ride or die for each other, no matter what bull BS they, they, they pull, at least in public. So a police, I'm sure there's some police officers who think, damn girl, but none of them were going to say it publicly. Right. And I think, you know, if you, if that is your enemy, that's your opposition that is going on, you know, unity and we're going on, well, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking about it, you know, we want the sister now off the bench. Right. For, for, for something like that, then it makes it hard for us to, 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 to come together and, and win when, you know, the standard is, it's impossible to, 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 to please, um, you know, uh, all of us all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes so little, by the way, for white people to please each other. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think that at the end of the day, we do a great job. Well, we, we do probably too good of a job, uh, <laughs> trying to keep each other accountable. Uh, and I think that the reason is because we aren't, we don't have room for error, right? We don't, we don't have room for mistakes and bounce backs, even though we know in the course of pursuing success, it's going to happen. Right. Um, uh, but, but we just, we, we don't do that. Uh, and I think part of that is, is to our detriment. But at the same time, I think that we have to understand that we're collectively working toward something, even if we aren't all going to realize it. We okay. have to we have to know we're collectively working toward something. Um, and, and I think the people who are able to attain to have a responsibility to go back into the community and bring it where all Prometheus trying to get the fire from the gods and bring it back. No, and um, there's nothing I would ever disagree about anything you said there. You do a great job of that. Michelle does, is, is living it every day. Well, that's mm-hmm. exactly what, what, you know, and that's the thing I'm proud of is that, but I bet you when we look at this judge, I bet she's mentoring to some young woman right now who wants to go to law school. Mm-hmm. You going to throw mm-hmm. her under the bus too? You know, now if you're, if you, you know, if you're Stacey Dash running around talking about I'm white now. <laughs> they can have her you be white all right and i understand you know why why we drag you know some people i just would like the standard you know for (laughs) that would be a little you know we we build a little grace into our you know dragon and once you do drag by the way i live every day i don't know about you but i wake up two or three nights a week in a cold sweat thinking today is the day that black twitter gets me wow (laughs) because black twitter don't play they don't. Yeah. They, they, they don't. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's funny. It's great. Often it's, it's warranted. I just wish we'd hold our powder, you know, for those people who, who, who truly, truly um, d- d- deserve it. Um, and then, you know, we, we could, um, you know, 
we 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 can do that. Um, I think you know what we. Here's the thing about it is I'm 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 with I guess both of you. Well, Jesse, what did you think about it? Is this this watershed event. This what we've been looking for. What in this case? Yeah, this is a verdict. We got uh, a uh, nah, nah. I, I think this. If anything, I'll say. I mean, I, I'm always forever the optimist. But right. uh, if, if anything, I think this verdict at least proved to me that if you are black and doing what you're supposed to do in your own house, okay. and somebody comes in and kills you, we'll at least say, yeah, it was murder. Now, what are we punish them? Eh, maybe not. But but at least we'll say, yeah, murder. She probably shouldn't do that. Right. Oh, you know, and I said that we got to sort of say, well, I guess we'll have to take that. Um, you know, I, I'm also not the most optimistic person here because this is such a one-off case, right? Mm -hmm. Where you find, you know, a situation where the cop just happens to walk into the wrong house. You realize that had she come into his house because she had a faulty warrant, uh, you know, a, an informant who gave the wrong address, she read the address wrong on the door. And, and came in shooting, it would have been perfectly fine. Mm. We do it all the time. We, we, there's a case that last week of some brother where they choked the wrong house, just start shooting. They, they shoot babies, right? It, it, right? it would have been any problem at all. And that still is the case, even though Amber has been convicted, right? If, if Botham Jean had not been not only the perfect person, but also in the perfect victim stance, in your draws, right? right? With nothing in his hands. Right. You know, so she can't say, oh, my God, he pointed the remote control at me. There was a, a, a case of a, of a little boy that the police shot. It came to serve a warrant. He goes to open the door with a PlayStation controller. And they start mm -hmm. opening fire. Yeah. Right. And that those people aren't even thinking about being convicted. They got raises. Right. They got promoted to, to, to police of the year. And so we still have this case isn't really a police shooting where we really you know, black lives aren't any safer as a result of this. Now, I'm glad she's off the street. Right, so there's one you know less crazy person out there, but you know, generally speaking, this has not been you know, um, you know, this wasn't the, the the Black Lives Matter victory we 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 were looking for, but we'll take it. Yeah, yeah, better than the alternative. Yeah. Think about it exactly because the alternative was, and this is like this is almost like you know I think a Michelle case where you don't necessarily move you know, closer to the ultimate goal or opportunity, but you at least stop the, the, the thing of, of, of you know, because imagine if it had been the case that anybody, remember, she's not a cop at the time, anybody could walk into your house and just shoot you because they didn't think you belong there. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, that, that, when that first came out, I remember being up, you know, cause I'm always up at three in the morning and, and I'm in my, my, my kid, I'm, I'm, I'm in my house with all the lights on. And I'm sitting by the front door. Not, no remote control, no nothing. And, and, and I remember thinking, somebody has to do this from now on. This is somebody's job every night to make sure that when the police bust in, there's somebody here in a well-lit house that can explain to the police that they're in the wrong place. Because apparently it's not legal for them to just bust in your house and start shooting because, you know, you black. So I'm sitting there in my, in my drawers, right? I eat ice cream, which probably I would have been doing anyway. So I guess it wasn't really that much of an inconvenience. But the point is, is that, um, you know, fortunately we don't have to do that. So we can now go to bed in our houses and even turn the lights off sometimes. But you still got to be vigilant. You still got to be ready. You never know. You <laughs> might come through that door at nighttime. These people with badges do what they want to do. 
um, you, you got you, you had to be vigilant. And that's, I think that's the sad reality that we all have to take because if anything, my lesson from this case is live every day to the fullest because you never know what's going to happen. And I love the fact that despite the fact that Botham is not here, everything that people have to say about him is positive. And who knows? Maybe that does wear off on Amber Geiger. She comes out and becomes Mother Teresa out here. I don't know. Probably. But, um, but I, I just, you know, it's sad that he's gone, but the legacy that I feel like he left behind is incredible. And and what I would never want for any of my people is for us to feel like there was something that we accomplished that we didn't do or something that you wanted to say to a relative that you left unsaid or whatever the case may be. We have to value every moment that we are breathing because we are endangered species. And unfortunately, uh, these things can happen at any point in time. And that's my positive moment for, for Wait, yeah, I'm, already, you know, I'm already, you know, now I got to go run out and get some more Prozac. And, you know, my prescription will run out. I'm going to have to go drinking tonight, I guess, because that was a real happy, uplifting moment. So if, you, if you're in your car, don't listen to the brother-in-law podcast while you're driving anymore. Uh, until you get somewhere you can get drunk. Um, any, you got anything more positive than to say, Michelle? Maybe something that would be suicidal? <laughs> no, I mean, I think I just stand by what I said before. I mean, I just, I'm glad there was a conviction. The sentence was terrible. <laughs> and for me, it's kind of like we move on to the next. And I know that sounds horrible, but it's just kind of like that's what you do. That's, that's the reality well, that we are in. What's the next? Is there a big one on your radar now, or there's not a big one that I can think of right now. Um, but I mean, I'm sure the police will kill somebody in the next few days. So you know. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that we can that we can just maybe prosecute one of the people who've been killed already. Right. That would be too much like right, you know. So. Yeah, exactly, because I, I'm, I'm sadly, as I'm absolutely sure about, about your, your other prediction, um, I'm going to leave this on, on, on a positive note. And, and, and the positive note is um, I saved a lot of money on my car insurance. <laughs> I, I can't. Oh, I do have a positive note. My <laughs> I have a positive note. The McLaughlin okay. thing is coming up on the 10th of October. Okay. So um, look out for that. I um, Hopefully he, it won't be uh, a, a short sentence. Um, he, I want to say with the death points, he may score a minimum 15. I don't know, but manslaughter is up to 30 years. So obviously he's not, there's no, um, what's the word? There's no prior, um, any priors that he has. Um, just knowing this judge, I don't see less than 20 years, but help me out with this because this, so. In Texas, they don't play. They move to the next, that same, the next day they're, they're, they're doing sentencing. Um, this guy was, was convicted in what, 1933? How long does it take Florida to do a sentencing here? Come on, yo. I mean, so in Florida, you're also entitled to what we call, um, a, uh, it's not pre pre sentencing investigation. It's called a pre sentencing investigation report. <laughs> No, not stalling. I appreciate <laughs> you're entitled to that. Um, you're entitled to that for certain types of cases. So, um, 
And what you use that, you use that for mitigation for sentencing. That usually takes about 30 to 45 days to complete. So which is why you saw it out to October. I got to tell you, and, and Texas is, is, a, is amazing that way. And I know they must have pissed off your friends at Court TV horribly because they were all excited. This is the trial of the, you know, of, of the century. And, and, and Texas said eight days. We're going to do the whole thing. I, 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 I have had, I've seen longer Miss America pageants. By the time they got Price Waterhouse Coopers to do the tabulation, it took four, it took seven days. All right. It took them eight days to go from start to finish. Remember the Jody Arias trial? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. She, Jody Arias got, got the death penalty, but she died by natural causes in the trial. All right. I'm amazed that Texas does everything so quickly. Um, and I understand that Florida is trying to do due process and all kind of crazy stuff. Y'all getting, y'all getting, y'all getting buck wild up there in Florida. Um, but maybe you could speed up a little bit because I'm, I won't, you know, now what do we need to do? Is, is there anything this community needs to do? Do we need to, 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 I mean, I guess really this is a decision the judge has to make. So yeah, it's a, it's a judge decision. Just saying good vibes. Be supportive of the family. That's all. All right. Um, let, let us know if there's, um, you know, any, any events. I know they did, for instance, Botham Jean, they had, Botham John, they had a, um, you know, like I said, you know, a bunch of civil rights lawyers who were there and they had a black tie yeah, event. Yeah. yeah, it was my birthday party, so I, I was like, yeah, oh, I'm not going to yeah, yeah no, I, I saw your boy Crump there, and 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 uh, Merritt, and all your other your your, your running buddies. Uh, so so that's that's nice. Yeah, no, I, I and it was beautiful, and so yeah, man. Yeah, but we we gonna have to keep the hope alive. We gonna we gonna um find next episode. I promise to have something more positive and upbeat because I want to leave our <laughs> listeners with some hope out here. Um. <laughs> Unfortunately, this week you're not gonna get it. I did. I, I was gonna crack a joke, and I had to check myself because when you said they got the whole trial done in eight days, and it takes, uh, I think you said Miss America pageant, it takes six days, and I was gonna say that it takes Steve Harvey Ford just to pronounce <laughs> name. But I'm not gonna do that. I'm not. You're all gonna think. Let's be absolutely clear. I want grace for all black people, but Steve Harvey uh, can be optional. Uh, y'all can, y'all, y'all can, y'all can do whatever you want with Steve until he starts sharing some of that comedy money with me. <laughs> Give me a part in something. So, hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening to you and for the special episode. We'll see you next time. Thanks.